Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Uh, you guys could be turning your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's, uh, that's where we're going to be. But uh, before we get into that, I want to do a little roll call. My family is here, and uh, I, uh, I love my family. Abuelita is here. If everyone, everyone say, hi, Abuelita. Hi. <laughs> I love my family, and I'm glad they're here. And I know my family's watching online. I want to acknowledge them, too. But uh, Rockhurst is here, too. Yes. Some... Some of these dudes, I met James today. I met Robert on Thursday. I met Michael two weeks ago. Like, man, the Lord, he's doing the work at Rockhurst, and uh, I'm glad you guys are here. But uh, yeah, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, last week, we heard from Nathan in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And uh, me and Nathan actually kind of coordinated about what we were going to be preaching. We're in a class together in LFBI, and so kind of made it work out to where we're not jumping around all over the place. We were in chapter one, now we're moving to chapter two. But uh, last week we heard from Nathan about persevering in our faith in uh, difficult times. And uh, the world that Paul and Timothy lived in at that time, it was under fire. And uh, there was a lot of controversy and conflict. And Nathan walked us through how to persevere in our faith. And we'll continue in that same light this morning. But This morning, we're going to learn principles in 2 Timothy 2 about uh, discipleship and about what it takes to follow the Lord and about how following the Lord is actually following him into a war. There's a war at hand, and making a decision to follow him, it's costly. Uh, but, But to give a definition of discipleship, because I know we have different ideas. Like here at Midtown, we have a process called discipleship, and so some of us might be going directly to that. It's a process. Well, to, for simplicity's sake, that uh, discipleship is, simply means to follow the Lord. Yeah. Discipleship is a walk with the Lord. And uh, there's a structure that we'll find about discipleship, about how we uh, follow the command of discipleship. But yeah, pro- uh, discipleship is just a walk with the Lord. And so for simplicity's sake, that will be our working definition. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul, having discipled Timothy, he, he's giving instruction and expectation for what being a follower of Christ actually looks like. And so that is the, the direction we're heading. Um, but a quick question. Has anybody here ever been to war? Okay, I didn't think so, but I was just wondering. Um, uh, has anybody here ever served in, like, the military or the army? Thank you for your service, man. But uh, what was that like? What's it like to be a soldier? It's rough. It's, rough. <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah. But uh, that's what we're going to find out. Paul is describing discipleship as if we're going to war. And as a soldier, you, you have to do hard things and suffer tough battles. And you're finding your identity now as a soldier. And you can't bring with you your past. No, your, your new identity is a soldier fighting for a common cause. And you're working beside other men and other women in unity uh, for, for one common cause. And uh, the war, the war that we fight when we choose to follow the Lord, it's against the world, our flesh, and the devil. This is the enemy that we face. When we choose to follow the Lord, that's the enemy at hand that we're going up against. So the key question that I want you guys to consider as we walk through uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is, am I ready to follow the Lord into war? Am I ready to follow the Lord into war? So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and uh, then we'll dive into the passage. I'm a dearly Father, Lord, uh, God, I thank you for your word, and Lord, I thank you for grace. Um, Lord, I thank you that we, we have a purpose today. And uh, Lord, we don't have to question what we're doing or 
where we're going, but uh, Lord, we can trust you, and we could walk and abide in grace, and uh, Lord, help us to consider uh, today what it means to follow you, and so Lord, prepare our hearts even now. Uh, Help us to remove distractions, to remove whatever it is that is coming between us hearing from you, and uh, Lord, help us to be responsive to your word today. Uh, Lord, I love you, and I praise your name. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so to give some context over uh, historically what is, what is going on in the writing of this book, Paul and Timothy, they're, they're living in a controversial time in history where Christians, they're being persecuted for their faith. And as much as this war that Paul is talking about is spiritual, there, there's also a physical and a real application to it for, for both Paul and Timothy. These points, they, they hit a little closer to home for Paul and Timothy because it's, it's a reality for them. Every day that they stand up for the name of Jesus Christ, they face torture and death. They have to be bold in their faith, Paul's explaining, but if they make that choice, they're, they're facing the opportunity to be killed for it. And today, we are going to put our lives up against Paul and Timothy's and, and see how we compare. Because every day that we stand up for the name of Jesus Christ, in our current world, the only thing we face is rejection. The only possible thing we could face is being rejected. Or maybe our reputation is, is hindered a little bit. We're going to see that we're actually kind of soft. <laughs> um, we actually don't have as strong of a will as we think we do. And uh, we need to consider that. And we're too quick to give up. We're too quick to throw in the towel. In the book of 2 Timothy, it's Paul's final words to his disciple. So Paul discipled Timothy, and it's his final words that he's giving to him. And so in your final words, you want to tell people the things that matter most. You want to tell someone the things that you want them to remember. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is he's saying, press in, like, Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Like, be bold. And so let's look at some of the key points that Paul leaves for Timothy concerning following the Lord. The first point that Paul leaves is to be strong in grace. Be strong in grace is your first key point. Verse 1 reads, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You guys, the grace of God, it is the engine of the Christian life. We could not be in the position that we are in without God's grace. Notice what Paul says about grace. He, he explains to Timothy to be strong in it. And in order to be strong, you have to exercise. You got to put in work. You have to work out, right, Braden? Yeah. Me and Braden got weak backs. And so we need to do abs and back workouts in order to strengthen our weak backs. Like my back was thrown out and Braden was like, dude, I'm so sorry because he's been through it. But in order to grow in strength, 
grow in strength. I cut out for a second. In order to grow in strength, we, we have to exercise. We have to put in work. And so what Paul is saying, in order to be strong in grace, we are to take hold of it every day and exercise and walk in it. But, but what does that look like? What does it look like to, to walk in grace, to grow stronger in the grace of God? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Amen? And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You guys, grace is not only salvation. We need it in our everyday life. And taking hold of God's grace and walking in it every day, it, it looks like denying ourselves. It looks like taking hold of the promises of God's word and walking in it. Because the promises of God's word, they're given to us in grace. And so when we receive it in grace, we're then able to walk in it. It looks like choosing to walk in the new life that the Lord gave us. The new life that the Lord gave us. But we, we need his grace in order to do that. And soldiers of the Lord must be strong and exercise the grace of God in order to go to war. Because we, we fail. Like we're, we're a broken people. We're weak. And we need God's grace if we're going to continue to fight and continue to move forward in faith. Paul, he, he then goes on to explain how we grow in grace. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And this, this is the verse that we all would go to uh, when talking about discipleship, when talking about how we can actually grow in grace and grow in our walk with the Lord. And... Uh, I mean, Sam, he just mentioned it. It's a command on our life to, to be obedient to walking with the Lord because it's not over after salvation. It's then a walk. And so this verse, it's describing the structure by which discipleship is carried out. So I have highlighted up here four generations. So discipleship is a generational reproductive thing. And so Paul invests into Timothy Paul then instructs Timothy to invest into somebody else who will invest into somebody else. Are you tracking with me? There's four generations that are coming up in this. And so I want to, uh, I want to invite Brandon up to the stage. I told you to be ready for this, man. <laughs> Brandon, I mean, he's really the guy we want up here anyways, but... Brandon, he discipled me. And so, like I said, in discipleship, it's uh, learning how to grow in grace and learning how to grow in your walk with the Lord. Brandon, four years ago, I moved here from Tampa knowing I needed to grow in my faith, knowing I needed to get my walk with the Lord right. And I came here, I missed the cost of discipleship class, and Brandon was like, don't worry about it, watch this video. And so after I watched it, I... <laughs> And so after I watched it, I, I signed up for the cost of discipleship, and, or signed up for discipleship, and I requested Brandon. And uh, me and Brandon got paired together to walk through 18 lessons of discipleship, and I can't tell you, I can't tell you how impactful Brandon was to me, and how he took me under his wing and shepherded me and taught me how to, to look at, uh, what? See, he's already teaching me more. <laughs> there. Better. Okay. But Brandon, he, he taught me how to see a flock, and he taught me how to be a leader, and he taught me how to walk every day with the Lord. And the impact that that had on me, I knew what he was sharing with me, I then had to share with somebody else. And so I'm so grateful for the investment that Brandon showed me and the grace that he showed me and showed that the Lord has for us. 
And so, Matthew, I want to invite Matthew up to the stage. <laughs> Matthew is a man, a short man, but a man. <laughs> no, Matthew, uh, we went to Rockhurst together, and it was Riley and I forgot who the other person was, but we were evangelizing. And we confront Matthew with the gospel. We say, hey, Matthew, what do you think about Jesus? And he responds what he thinks about Jesus. I say, hey, Matthew, what do you think about the Bible? He responds what he thinks about the Bible. And uh, then we follow up, hey, Matthew, would you ever want to study the Bible? And Matthew was willing to study the Bible. And uh, me and Matthew met up at a Starbucks and, uh, for the first time. And I thought it was Mexican. He's actually, he's actually from Japan. And so... <laughs> Um, but I didn't know this guy. I never knew him at all. And so Matthew shows up, and we open up the Bible together, uh, doing creation of Christ, and, and Matthew gets saved. And uh, he realizes that his sin separates him from the Lord. And he was like, man, I have no purpose in my life right now. I need, I need, to, I need something to go after. And so Matthew makes a decision to follow the Lord. And then he keeps coming. He keeps coming to church and keeps getting plugged in to Midtown, and he meets a bunch of you guys, and uh, Matthew signs up for discipleship, and Jorge um, and myself, we are able to disciple Matthew, and so, you guys, what a privilege it is to lead someone to the Lord, and then be able to walk with them through discipleship, that is the most amazing thing, but me and Matthew were able to walk through 18 lessons of discipleship with Jorge, and uh, now he's grown and he's a leader in our Bible study and uh, I'm so so proud of him but uh, now Matthew is taking what he learned in discipleship uh, the grace that he learned to walk in he is now investing in into somebody else and so Eli come on up come on up this is Eli Baker um Eli, man, we got height on you. <laughs> uh, Eli is the man too. So Eli is now going to Rockhurst. And he, so me and Matthew were together in Bible study for a good amount of time. And uh, this was when Jorge was leading it. And we had been praying for Eli to get saved. Hunter Hedgepath, who just got married. Congrats, wherever he is on his honeymoon, by the way. But um. Hunter Hedgepath, Hedgepath was like, yo, can we pray for Eli? We, we want to see him get saved. And so we spent like months praying for Eli. And we, we have notes that we could look back to and show you of us praying for Eli. And Eli eventually gets saved. And then he starts coming to Midtown and uh, he starts coming into Kaya. And so once he, he graduates high school and starts going to Rockers, I get word of this. And uh, M comes to me, his older sister, and was like, yo, you need to meet my younger brother. Like, you need to grab hold of him. He's going to Rockers. I was like, let's go. So if you know anybody that goes to Rockers, let us know because we're, we grab onto them. But uh, it's true. But um, yeah, we, we find Eli. And uh, Eli starts coming to Bible study and he starts growing in his walk with the Lord. And it is a blessing to see him just get plugged in. And then he goes to the cost of discipleship and he wants to start getting discipled, and so he signs up, and he gets paired with Matthew. And so I do, I prolong all this illustration to the fact that if it wasn't for Brandon investing in me, and me investing into Matthew, and Matthew into Elijah, and Elijah into the next person, to the next person, the next person, like, this is a reproductive process, but all of us, we are following Jesus Christ, in this whole process. It's, it's a work of following the Lord. And so if it wasn't for somebody more mature than me, someone more mature than you, walking alongside you and showing you how to walk in grace, showing you how to take hold of the grace of God and to know it intimately, man, like who knows where we would be? I mean, the Lord will do whatever he would, but who knows where we would be? So Take it, take it seriously. Take a walk with the Lord seriously. But if you haven't considered discipleship, help this be like a, a motivator because it is the most encouraging thing you will ever do with your life, and it will change you forever. And so that's all glory to the Lord. But thank you, guys. Love y'all.
That was fun. I love all those people. But yeah, like I said, uh, discipleship, it's all about growing in grace. Um, it's all about getting to know the Lord better and having somebody with you to do life with. It's, it's incredible. And so choosing to participate in it is learning how to walk with the Lord in grace and um, yeah, consider where the Lord might have you in your walk today. If, you, if this is your first time hearing about it, just talk to somebody after service about it. Put, this is a good thing that I do. Put a star in your notes. If the Lord is speaking to you in something that's being said, put a star in your notes, and then you know what to respond to at the end of service. It's a good practice to get into. But yeah, consider where the Lord might have you. The next key that Paul leaves for Timothy is to endure hardness. Moving right along. Endure hardness. As a soldier in war, there's hard things that are going to come up. And so Paul's instruction is to endure hardness. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Paul is implying in this verse that war is hard. If he's telling you to endure hardness, war is going to be hard. The, the walk that you're going to face, it's going to be hard. And so it demands the focus of the soldier. Since war is hard, it needs your direct focus so that you can tackle it. As a soldier, you cannot make decisions that distract you from the battle. And some of us here today are too distracted by the things of the world that we can't see the battle at hand. We're too distracted by the world. Paul, he says not to entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Entangle means to involve yourself in or, or to participate with. And so Paul, he's saying don't participate with the affairs of this life. Don't give into the things of the world. And we, we've entangled ourselves with the world and we've let the comforts and the normalities of our world influence us. We've let the comforts that the world is offering to us and the normalities of the culture that we have around us influence our being, influence our decisions that we make. Like we, we have a busy day at work and we choose to come home and binge Netflix because the world says, ah, you, you deserve it. You, you earned a day off because you work so hard. Like, good for you. No. We lay awake at night just scrolling our life away. And, and social media, it's what dictates how we think. It dictates how we perceive the world, how we view things in life. I mean, it dictates even how we talk. Like, I, I work in high school right now, and like, TikTok is, it's a way of communication. <laughs> like, people are going up, like, singing and dancing to, like, TikTok is a form of communication now. It dictates how we think and how we speak. And we deep dive into different hobbies, and we, we sell our time away to them. We give our money, we give our effort, we give everything we have into our hobbies. And they're just distractions. And I'm not saying that, that Netflix or TikTok or hobbies, they're in, intrinsically bad things, because they're not. I'm not saying delete your Netflix, throw away your hobbies, be a robot, hate your life. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. What is bad is that we choose comfort and self-indulgence over the Lord. We choose to entangle ourselves with the world. We choose the comforts that it has to offer, and we choose to just glorify ourselves. War, it demands the focus of the soldier. There's no time to be distracted. There's a mission at hand. Sometimes we choose to believe the lies that since war is hard, that, that we need a break. And we tell ourselves we need, like, me time. We need a... Uh, we need time to focus on ourselves, and we need to look inward before we look outward. Like, no, what you need is time with the Lord. Those comforts, they don't solve anything. They might help to cope, but it's the world sucking you in and distracting you. You don't need the comforts. What you need is time with the Lord. 
If you're truly desiring rest, if you want true rest in your life, because maybe your life really is busy. Like, I mean, we're busy people. Maybe you are tired. If you truly want rest, spend time with the Lord. It's where we find rest, and it's where we find peace. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So instead of running to the world when things get hard, run to the Lord. The Lord, he wants to hear the things you're struggling with. He wants to hear the desires of your heart. Run to the Lord and he will give you rest. The world, it, it wants us to run to it so that it can distract us. But instead, we, we have to endure the hardness. Run to the Lord and, and he'll help you. The next key that Paul leaves for Timothy in regard to following the Lord is to remember why you fight. You have to remember why you fight. Verses 8 through 9 says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. You guys, we fight because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? It's the only reason why we fight. If Jesus Christ never rose from the dead, our work we're doing is in vain. Like if he never rose from the dead, all of this would be a waste of time. We'd be gathering on Sunday. We'd be going to Bible study. It'd be a waste of time if Jesus Christ never rose from the dead. But he did. And if we forget Jesus Christ in the resurrection, the work that we're doing here, it grows really wearisome. It can grow really tiring. We could get into the thought pattern of, man, I'm so tired because I'm so busy. I'm doing so many things. I go from work to this and this and this. If we forget Jesus Christ, yeah, you're, the work you're doing, it's going to grow wearisome. You're going you're gonna to get tired. We have to put in remembrance the resurrection. Um, in times when Personally, I, I grow tired, and I forget why I've given my life to the mission um, and why I make sacrifices, why I do all these things that we do, that the Lord's called us to do. Um, I think of my grandpa. Uh, we, call, we called him Papa, and my whole life I remember praying for Papa. Um, we would pray for Papa to stop smoking, because he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Um, but we would also pray for Papa's salvation. We'd pray for him to make a profession of faith. Last year, Papa passed away, and I don't know, I can't say that I know I'll see him in heaven. Um, yeah, like, countless times we shared the gospel with him, and one in particular, like, uh, it was the October before he passed away. Um, we were at a campfire, and I remember talking to him about what he thinks about sin and what he thinks about Jesus Christ, and uh, we talked about the gospel in length, and uh, he was never opposed to talking about it, but um, we don't know if he ever got saved, um, and that was really tough. That was tough to work through, tough to process because this person you pray your whole life for, um, and this person you seek open doors to talk to, and the gospel's presented to him. Um, it's hard to process them passing away and you not knowing whether or not they ever actually accepted Christ. And so for a season of my life, I was angry. I was really mad at the Lord. And... Uh, I had to come to terms with the fact that the Lord is good. Um, God is good, and God gave my grandpa every opportunity to accept Christ. And in his free will, he either chose to or chose not to, but we don't know where he is. 
but to think that there's more papas out there. There's more people who do not know Jesus Christ. To think that there are souls that have not been confronted with the gospel, that reminds me why I fight, why I go to war every day, why I sacrifice time, why I sacrifice energy, why I drop everything I'm doing to meet up with someone for coffee. Like, it's the reason why I fight, because there's souls every day that aren't going to heaven. And it makes me think of the power of the resurrection and the, bil- the ability that Christ has to, to save souls. You guys, our why is found in the resurrection. A lot of us know what we're doing in ministry. Like we know the functions. We know oh, um, second week hospitality or whatever it is. We, we know what we're doing. Oh, that is awful. Um, we know what we're doing in ministry, uh, but we forget why we're doing it. We forget Jesus Christ in the middle of all of it. We forget the very reason why we're even here, why we're even able to be a part of this ministry. He put us into it. Like, we can't forget the main thing. And so for you guys, remember the times that the Lord revealed himself to you, where he made the resurrection a reality in your life. Because a lot of us know the resurrection. We know about it. But remember the times it was a reality in your life where you could say, man, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I saw him save this soul. Like, remember those times. Because you need it. The fight is hard. The war that we're in, it's a hard thing. We need to remember the hope for why we're doing it. The fourth key point that Paul leaves for Timothy is to endure all things. Endure all things. Verse 10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul, he he lays out a choice for Timothy. A choice to choose the Lord or to choose himself. And I mean, isn't that the choice we face every day, to choose the Lord or to choose ourself? It's a decision we have to consciously make every day. Choose what we want to do over what the Lord asks of us to do or to be obedient to his calling. For, for Timothy to choose the Lord, the reality was that it meant him choosing persecution and potentially death. That was the reality. If he was going to choose to be bold and stand up for the name of Christ, he was choosing persecution and potentially death. So let's, let's look at some of the history about this. I'm, a, I'm actually studying to be a history teacher, and uh, I don't know how I got here, but <laughs> I'm studying history, and I'm in my final semester right now, which is exciting, but uh, I'm teaching at Oak Park High School, and they threw me in a government class, and government is awful. Um, <laughs> government, it's so dry, and there's like, yeah, it's awful. Like, how to look at the three branches of government and <laughs> checks and balances. Like, some, I'm triggering some of y'all's memory right now. Like, it's some dry, boring stuff. But uh, that's where I'm at. And uh, every day is tough getting in front of juniors and trying to be excited to teach about government. It's awful. But today, we're going to look at a more interesting history. I like stories, and I like things that have a plot and character development and that sort of thing. So let's look at some of uh, history from 2 Timothy. So Emperor Nero, he was the tyrannical ruler of Rome during this time. And uh, Nero... He ordered the city of Rome, uh, where Paul and Timothy are located, to be set on fire. And thousands were killed in its flames. Uh, Nero, he, he blamed Christians for this fire. He, he placed the blame on them for, for why this city had erupted. And he, he begins persecuting believers in Christ, people who stood up for the name of Jesus. He begins persecuting them for it. 
In Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, there's an explanation of what was actually done to believers who were bold about their faith. It says, Some were sewed up in the skins of wild beasts in, in raw flesh, and they were worried to death by dogs. Like, dogs literally chewed them alive. And, I mean, for a second, just imagine what, what that is. They were worried to death by dogs. Others, they were dressed in shirts made stiff with wax, then suspended on poles and set on fire in the gardens of the palace. There are people literally being eaten alive and burning to death just because they stood firm on the name of Christ. That decision was made evident to Timothy every single day. He had to make a choice of, am I going to stand up for the Lord today in this situation? It was his reality, possibility that he faced every day he made his faith known. And in judging on what we know of Timothy's testimony in Scripture, he was not withholding of the name of Jesus Christ. Despite the circumstances that he was in, the world that he lived in, the persecution that he faced, he wasn't withholding of the name of Christ, so much so that, that he even died for his faith. He died because of this. I can't say it was by dogs or by being lit on fire, but he died for his faith. Believer today, we're too quick to give up, to give in. We run back to our rooms and we hide scared from the world because we're too scared of being rejected. We're too scared of our reputation being altered, our reputation being broken, like all this repoire we built with these people, this group of friends we spent so long, because we speak the name of Christ, our reputation is broken. We're too scared of that. We're too scared of what people think. We run to our friends and we gossip about how hard our life is, how busy we are, how we, how we have no time for anything, and we list off all the excuses and reasons why we should be able to not participate or not study or not show up to church. We run to our comforts like we talked about, the things that make us feel good, the very things that distract us from their mission, the reality that souls every day are going to hell. And yet we still stay quiet, we still hide, we still run to our comforts, we're too distracted as a people. We're too quick to give up, and, and we're not willing to endure all things, as Paul instructs. We're not willing to endure the hard things. So stop making excuses and start showing up for the Lord. It's a hard truth, but we have a lot of reasons. Our flesh gives a lot of reasons why we shouldn't follow the Lord. But shut him out. Stop making excuses for why we aren't following the Lord. You know what those excuses are in your life. I'm not going to stand up here and act like I know you, but I know we have excuses, every one of us. So let go of them. Walk towards the Lord. Soldiers, uh, they couldn't bring the comforts of home with them to war. They couldn't bring, uh, I was talking to Jake about heated blankets the other day. I don't know why, but they couldn't bring their heated blankets to war. They had to endure the hard cold. They couldn't bring their uh, seasonal coffee shop drinks, their pumpkin spice lattes, or their, uh, their like 10-step nightly routine where you wash your face. and I don't know what people do for a 10-step night. <laughs> they didn't have the slow Saturday morning. Do you guys know what I'm talking about with that? A slow Saturday morning where like a Friday you stay up too late and then the next day you don't set an alarm or maybe you set like a, I should be up by like 10 a.m. So I'll set an alarm for 10 a.m. So you just roll out of bed at 10 a.m. and you roll into a coffee shop and it's all light and easy. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they, they didn't have these comforts. Soldiers, they don't have these comforts that we are so quick to run to. You guys, if you want to be war ready, 
You have to be ready to endure hard things. You have to be ready to endure hard things, busy seasons, complicated times. You have to let go of the comforts because the enemy, he's, he's throwing hands. Um, he's ready to fight. He's right around the corner ready to attack. And if we're too quick to give up, we're going to get knocked out. We're going to be of no use to the mission at all because we were caught with our hands down. Right, Richie? He's a boxer. Richie teaches me some boxing stuff, but we'll get knocked out with our hands down. Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 3 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Jesus Christ set the example for us. He, he's made it simple and plain how we ought to act and how we ought to live. I mean, he endured the cross. The humiliation and the shame and the spitting and the physical harm. There's so much that you could go into. Christ set the example. He endured all of that. And it says he did it with joy. So don't be so quick to give in and quit. Think of Christ and endure all things. Our last key point for today that Paul leaves for Timothy is know that you are already victorious. Man, you're like, we went through all this and we already won? <laughs> no, you have to know that you are already victorious. Verse 11 through 13, it says, It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Paul, he, uh, he gives a list of if-then statements in this passage. If you do this, then you will receive this. If you don't do this, then this will happen. If-then statements. And they reveal to us a promise within Scripture. The promise of victory. He's explaining that through Christ, there is a promise of being victorious. And the victory is over our enemy that we talked about at the beginning. Our enemy being the world, our flesh, and the devil. When Christ and Satan go toe-to-toe, Christ is victorious. And we don't have to question. We don't have to do the pay-per-view thing and wonder who's going to win. We already know Christ wins that fight 100 times. In the war that we are fighting, we already know the outcome too. So why would we not fight for the winning side? Why wouldn't we fight for the winning side? And why wouldn't we join the winning team if we're not on it already? I want you guys to consider Kevin Durant. <laughs> Kevin Durant is a... Uh, I had to throw it in there. Um, uh, visuals help, right? I think we need more visuals when we preach. But um, uh, Kevin Durant, he is a phenomenal basketball player. Um, he plays for the NBA. Um, he's arguably the greatest basketball player. I mean, in terms of, he's like, he's like almost seven feet, Brandon, and he could dribble. <laughs> he's arguably one of the best. His stats may not show it, and his quality of life may not show it, but he's arguably one of the best. <laughs> but Kevin Durant's dream was to win the NBA championship. It's the most prestigious award you can get in basketball. And uh, the team that he played for, the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, it's the team who drafted him. And they, they weren't getting him there. Like, they weren't getting him to that championship finals and giving him a chance to win it all. Durant, he'd even earned, like, MVP awards with the Thunder and other 
like things that elevated himself, but not a championship. Durant, he was tired of losing. He really wanted to win. And so Durant, he realized he needed to join a winning team. A team that he knew would be able to get him a ring. <laughs> Wait, not yet. You blew it. You blew the punchline. It's okay. Um, uh, a team he knew would get him a ring. And so a bunch of teams reached out to him and tried to get him to join their team. But he knew the Golden State Warriors was that team. Uh, they, were already, uh, they were already a all-star team. Like, they, they were a superstar team. Like, it's kind of ridiculous, the NBA these days. They have all these super teams. But Durant, he wanted to win, so he joined a super team. They had a great track record of winning and an all-star roster. And adding Durant to the team, it would almost guarantee him a ring because they'd be unstoppable. And... They were. After Durant accepted the trade, the, the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, would go on to win the next two championships. So Durant was like, I'm weighing my cards. I see my options. Uh, Golden State Warriors, because I know they're going to take me to win. And I mean, some of us are shaking our heads because of loyalty and because of heart. But Durant wanted to win. <laughs> Durant wanted to win, so he knew where to win. And so he went there. Um, the point of this illustration is that nobody likes to lose. Um, nobody likes to face battles and endure hard times and then come out losing. Nobody likes to do that. And in life, uh, we, we fight a lot of battles. We fight addiction of many sorts. We fight ourselves within our own mind. The battle within our mind is sometimes one of the most complicated. We can't get outside of our own head. We fight depression. We fight anxiety and fill in the blank. Um, I don't know what you're fighting today, but fighting gets really tiring. And aren't you tired of losing those battles Aren't you tired of, of fighting the tough things on your own? Don't you want to see victory? And, and the truth is, like, you might get there by yourself. Like, to be honest, like, sure, maybe you'll be victorious and you'll overcome anxiety. You'll overcome some sort of addiction on your own. But I promise you, if you give Jesus Christ a chance and you hold yourself accountable, you'll see victory in him. Like, you don't have to play with the option of, will I overcome this? No, with Christ, you will overcome whatever you're dealing with. I don't know where you're at, but whatever you're dealing with, Christ can help you overcome it. And if you've already chosen Jesus Christ, you're victorious. So now you have to start living like it. You have to walk in grace. You have to walk as a victor, how Christ made you. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58 says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Since we know that we're victorious, since we know what we're called to, the command is to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. To be steadfast is, is to be firm, to be stable, steady. There's a consistency when you're steadfast. Like you're not going through ups and downs in life. No, it's steady. Steadfast is a steadiness unmovable, you cannot be compelled to shift positions. You cannot be easily jumped from to to fro when a better deal comes up. You're like, yep. No. Unmovable means you can't be moved from the position you're in. And then you always have to be abounding in the work of the Lord. That is what a good soldier does. If you're trying to go to war, 
if you're trying to be a soldier and, and take on the things that the Lord is trying to bring up to you, this, this is how you see victory from a day-to-day perspective. You're steadfast, you're unmovable, and you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's worth the surrender to have victory. And so, in closing, I'll ask again, are you ready to follow the Lord into war? Are you ready to follow the Lord into war? And Alex, if you want to come up, I know I'm a little early, but Alex, if you want to come up wherever you are. Uh, The invitation today is this. If If you're tired of fighting on your own and you desire to see change in your life. Come forward and and learn how Jesus Christ is the answer to that battle you're facing. Because the reality is, if if you haven't chosen Jesus Christ, there's a war happening for your soul right now. Jesus Christ is fighting for you to choose him. There's a war happening over your soul right now. So come forward and experience the love Jesus Christ. He loved you so much that he gave everything he could to have you as his own. Come forward and see what that's about because I know we all face battles and Christ is the answer. But if you're a Christian and you're realizing that you're not ready for this spiritual warfare, you realize, wow, I fall short in some areas. I run to my comforts. I I do my thing, and I haven't been taking this as serious as it is. You could also come forward, too, and address the areas that you need to grow stronger in. And you guys, I started with grace because grace is what's through all of it. Grace is, I explain grace as the opportunity for a second chance because every day you're moving forward in it. Christ, he's giving you another opportunity to choose him. And so, in God's grace, come forward and and hear it out. Because God, he he has a way of using his word to step on our toes and to prick our hearts. And you'll hear it explained like that a lot, but his word does that. It steps on our toes. And so, if something offended you or if something was like, whoa, that was harsh. I mean, God, he's trying to speak to you about something. He's trying to get a hold of your heart. So come forward and, and see what he's trying to speak to you about. But uh, I'll pray, and uh, we'll have an atmosphere of worship for a little bit. And uh, yeah, in a relationship with the Lord, he's trying to talk to you. The right thing to do is to respond to him, because that's what a healthy relationship looks like. But I'll pray. Thank you, guys. I'm a, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, uh, I thank you for grace And Lord, I I thank you for the willingness and the example that you've set for us. Um, God, help us to to make the decision to choose you. Help us to weigh what it takes to follow you. Um, Lord, help us to make that decision in in boldness and in faith, one step at a time, because that's all it is. So Lord, help us to do that. Uh, Lord, I love you, and I pray this in your name. Amen. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.